Yeah, where's it coming from? Let's find out. Welcome to the Six Degrees of John Keel podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Barbara Fisher, and with me is Kendra Maurer and Morgana. Tonight, we're proud to begin a series of podcasts where we talk with fellow experiencers. This time around, we're talking with Peter Stensall. He started the Excluded Middle magazine with Greg Bishop and Robert Larson and read his first John Keel book, Operation Trojan Horse, back in 1967. He heard our very first and our second podcasts and decided that he'd found his people and wanted to uh, talk with us. So he sent us an email and I answered it. And here he is. Hey, Peter. Hey, hey, everybody. I'm so happy to be here. So happy to have you. We're happy to have you. Yeah. So tell us, tell us what it's like being an experiencer. What's your, what's your favorite weird occurrence? Okay. Well, what, what it's like is something that I, didn't know at first. I just knew I had odd experiences and I knew I felt a little strange, kind of like just visiting this planet. But I assumed it didn't occur to me. For one thing, I didn't know about this word experiencer. I mean, it wasn't until I read people like John Keel or Jacques Vallée that it even occurred to me um, that maybe everything was fine. Um, and uh, so it's something that kind of dawned on me because I would have experiences other people didn't have. Now, it's, I'm not one of those precocious people that was seeing dead people everywhere I went. Um, we we know we we all know about some of those those mediums. <laughs> in fact, I, I I personally have some friends um, who, who claim that. Um, it was it was more a matter of my inclination, things that I was very interested in, like flying saucers. Back what we back when the '60s we called them that. Um, and, um, you know, having a little, making my closet into a, uh, uh, Ouija board, um, parlor for my <laughs> brothers and, and, and parents to come in. And, and I had my gypsy witch fortune telling cards and with, and I, mean, I was just doing kind of weird stuff like that. Kind of thinking it was a lark, kind of thinking it was just for fun. Maybe, you know. Uh, now I'm more inclined to think, well, I'm probably one of those witches that was, you know, burnt at the stake back in the Inquisition <laughs> day. I mean, I think that's more likely. It's like the I beginning just... of every complicated romance right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, um, in terms of, like, favorite, um, I have a lot of favorites. Um, and I wrote about some of them. I had a column in uh, the Excluded Middle called Tales from the Shelf. And the reason I call it Tales from the Shelf is that I think a lot of us have these experiences, but we uh, we shelve them off. We, we basically try to ignore them and we put them somewhere uh, out of sight, out of mind. And um, I just I just finally realized, OK, I, I'm going to reveal some of these experiences to readers. Um, you know, because I, I, I talked about them to my brothers or my wife or, you know, other people. 
Um, at, and sometimes when you talk about these things, um, you, you hear things like, oh, I'm sure it was just a dream or, <laughs> you know, oh, you have a great imagination, that kind of thing. And, I always and I, hated that one. <laughs> well, actually, I think I, I do have a pretty good imagination. I mean, I, as a kid, you know, because we moved around a lot, I didn't have a lot of, I didn't have any BFF. I didn't even know what those letters meant until probably embarrassingly recently. Um, I didn't have a best friend forever, right? I mean, I didn't. I, I, my brothers were sort of my pals, but I, I made comic books. I made my own comic books, and I came up with storylines and characters and the whole thing. So I, I imagine that sort of shows a, a kind of an imagination. Um, but anyway, um, to get to uh, a favorite of mine, I probably, I will say this, one of my favorites was the most dramatic UFO uh, encounter I ever had, and that was... Uh, on a night, summer night, um, actually September, it was September 12th, something like that, but it was still kind of seasonably warm in Minnesota, and I remember stepping out with my friend Stuart uh, as he was leaving a band practice, and I heard a voice in my head say, look in the sky, there's a UFO, and I looked across the road, and there's a horse pasture that used to be across my parents' house, the house I was living in, and this beautiful luminescent green blobby shape uh, moved, started moving uh, to my right. Into, it went up into the air. It, was, it wasn't on the ground when I first saw it. It was in the air, but it started going a little bit higher. It kept its same shape. And then I saw the lights go out as it went behind a row of trees and I couldn't see it anymore. And um, it kept the shape even with the lights out. I could tell there was that darkness. And um, I was just totally s surprised and happy because I always, had always wanted to see a UFO close up. And I had said to my friend Stuart, hey, Stuart, look, there's a UFO. But he was busy putting his amplifier in his car and uh, said, just a minute. And by, the time, by the time he looked, it was just, it was gone. So um, that was that was like a wonderful thing, and I got a sort of confirmation because a month later there was a major flap in the western suburbs of Minneapolis, um, St. Paul area, where where our, we were living in Minnetonka, which is uh, one of the western suburbs, and the newspapers were reporting uh, UFO sightings, which was made me feel like okay, I did see something. I was like I saw like the advanced scout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't see any anybody describe what I saw in particular, you know, um, but there were some kinds of thing, odd things seen in the sky, um, in the flap. That's really cool. That's cool. That's one of my favorites among many. Yeah, it's it's always fun when you have someone who is there with you, who could corroborate it, but somehow they just don't look at the right time um although you know when you have someone who looks and either sees something different or doesn't see it at all that always is one of those one of those situations where you kind of go wow what happened is it my um, brain is it, is my it brain? Yeah. yeah am i hallucinating am I crazy yeah am i hallucinating now we uh what's really interesting is um a lot of band rehearsals, people would be smoking pot or being, you know, our band rehearsals, the strongest thing we drank was Dr. Pepper's. 
<laughs> we, we didn't even we didn't drink beer. We didn't, you know, Stewart smoked some cigarettes and that was it. Um, because all of us were just basically drug free at the time. And so it's not like, um, you know, I, I remember <laughs> reading a lot of UFO accounts where there was this there was this sort of thought back in the day that if people have been drinking, that's when they see these things, you know, and uh, they always had to convince, oh, I wasn't drinking. But <laughs> I honestly don't see how alcohol causes UFOs to be seen. It doesn't, right? there doesn't seem to be a connection there to that has always confused me too because everybody's like well were you drinking and it's like I, alcohol doesn't make you hallucinate right it makes you very clumsy and have poor decision making skills but <laughs> i have never hallucinated when drinking yeah uh, same same with with people in my family if they saw something they were usually stone sober and in some cases in my family you can't say that very often <laughs> um, with, with some of them, they they were they, they were they were good at the drinking. They they stuck with what they knew, um, and uh, but when they saw stuff, they were sober. Or it would be one of the ones who never drank at all, and oh. you know, yeah. And so they would have things happen. Well, so, well, and, uh, dr drinking might actually be one of those things where you're trying to deaden your emotions, you're deadening your senses to sort of escape. I and mean, that's that's one theory behind why people, especially chronic drinking. Um, so could it be that um, any an experiencing capability is sort of dulled through alcohol? I think there's something to that. I mean, um, I don't drink now, but I used to. And there were times where stuff would be sort of active near me and I could tell it was about to kick off. And I was like, you know what, we're just going to drink a little bit and then we won't either won't notice it or we won't be freaked out by it mm -hmm. because it's a lot, it's, there's a reason they call booze Dutch courage, you know? <laughs> so you could be a little more brave or not. You, you don't yeah. notice it as much yeah, because just your perceptions are dulled anyway. Well, and I wonder, because I'm really into, like, personal energies, I wonder how much it shifts your energy, and if the energy shift opens an avenue per to perception. I think I think Keel wrote something about that in one of his newsletters. Um, I think he actually brought up that exact point of, um, you know, people always say, well, he was drinking, or whatever, and, and, and you know, he said, in my experience, most people who see these things weren't drinking and they weren't taking drugs and they weren't right. under the influence of anything nefarious or strange. And yeah, that that does beg the question then, you know, yeah, if if you if you see things when you're sober, do you see things when you're drinking? And as an experiencer who also used to drink at one point. I can say I had very few odd experiences while drinking. And in fact, the one truly explosive experience that Kendra and I had together, we had been drinking and then our friends ran in and said, the little lights are back and there's all kinds of other stuff happening. Oh my God, they're out here again. And we sobered up so fast. <laughs> yeah. Like that buzz was gone. Yeah. It was, it was a good buzz too. And it, it 
pissed me off. graduation party, damn it. Oh, God. I, I will say that there is one thing that I drank that heightened it, and that was um, Morning Thunder tea. Um, I remember most of my uh, early or early 20s um, odd experiences. I mean, the house was haunted anyway, but what I was drinking a lot of Morning Thunder tea because I, I guess I was not sold on thinking coffee is the only thing I should wake up with, even though I'm Scandinavian American and that's what my parents would drink. And I am sort of a coffee addict now, but uh, I, do, I do make a point of, of now including mate, which is uh, Morning Thunder tea is basically black tea with mate. Um, Brazilian herb um, mate uh, in it. And uh, I'm wondering if that sort of helped open up the windows of perception to me. Um, so that that's one substance. Um, I'm not, I'm too chicken to try ayahuasca um, uh, or uh, that kind of thing. Um, I have, you know, I had taken LSD and um, uh, marijuana and one time peyote and uh, I think one time mushrooms. But I'm not kind of like a major. I, I'm more. I'm interested in consciousness, so I did want to see what these things would do with consciousness. But like sometimes it's just you know the right combination of uh, herbs can do something. Just like uh, wonderful simple herbs, um, non-classified uh, herbs. You know the things you can mm -hmm. have in your garden. Legal. Yeah. Um, so. And I mean, that's a big part of, you know, the practice of witchcraft, like normal witchcraft, like throughout the Middle Ages, like people, herb wives and things and magicians and shamans have always considered that to be a path to different levels of consciousness and to be magical components that could change your perceptions or help you contact other entities and like that's before not even getting into hallucinogens, which also do that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, it, the uh, what what sort of herbs other than mate have have you noticed that seem to expand your consciousness, Peter? Um, that's a good question. I know that I really am drawn to making homemade marinara sauce, and I tend to use. Uh, more herbs than most people do. And um, I know sometimes I have some very, very vivid dreams or spiritual dreams or dreams that, that are certainly not the, oh my God, I ate three pizzas, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know. Again, dreams, it's like drinking. It's like, oh, what did you eat? Why did you dream this something weird like that? You must have eaten something. No, you know, it could well be that... Um, my the herbs that I put in my sauce on my marinara sauce um, have caused them. I haven't actually thought about making that connection, but that's something I think I should do is is make the connection between what herbs I use and then start start up my dream journal again. Yeah. I mean, the reason I stopped my dream journal was because it was getting ridiculously long. I would remember <laughs> so many dreams. It's, it, <laughs> because, and to me, dreaming, I love dreaming. I just have to say, um, one of my one of my uh, acquaintances put it best. He says, "This the United States seems to be horribly biased against sleep. 
Yeah. Oh yeah, I've heard that uh, so many. And dream, dream and sleep. No, he he he's somebody that has taken ayahuasca, and he's uh, he's into that. But uh, you know, it's just um, that's just not for me. I'm, I'm I basically don't take any drugs now except you know um, these sort of simple herbs um, that are not you know um, to me the marijuana that I used to smoke back in the day. It's just like uh, these days it's legal here in California. I could I could you know pick it up. But it's just very strong, and it's. I feel right now. I just like to have the clarity. I do drink wine, so but you know in the evenings. But um, I really enjoy clarity um, because I feel like then my meditation's better and uh, my my spiritual perceptions are better. And it's absolutely like, true that you can meditate easier. I, I don't. I don't. Uh, you know, anyone that wants to use any of these substances, though, in, in a, especially in a way to explore consciousness, I think it's a valid thing to do. You know, yeah. so I, I don't hold anyone in judgment um, for, for, you know, everybody has this, a different path. And I know, like, holy men in India, you know, ganja is like a big deal, right? You know? Right. Um, yeah. Who's am I to tell them, no, you, you know, that's wrong. So, um, <laughs> so. But but I feel I'm at a certain age too. I feel like um, you know there was a time when certain things were necessary. You know, there's yeah. like uh, mm -hmm. like there's a time for everything. Is like you know the, the book of Ecclesiastes talks about there's a time for everything. And uh, yeah. that I followed sort that's sort of an advice that I've loved to to follow, and realize okay I'm done with this sort of portion right now. I learned a lot from it. Let's see what's coming now. Where am I now? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I'm kind of backwards. I just do things. There. I had a second childhood, I guess, and a second youth, and I my children are spaced 16 years apart, <laughs> um, because you know my family planning skills are amazing, and uh, very unique and different. So, I. You know, I I don't even know what age I am anymore. Um, when I was about to turn 40, uh, my husband convinced me two years earlier than when I was about to turn 40 that I was turning 40 because my whole concept of, you know, time got just completely messed up. And, and that I didn't even smoke weed at the time. So I, I really had no excuse except I just don't, I feel different on the inside every day, but not that different. And oh, the, yeah. way my, the way my memory works is I can remember just as clearly things that happened 20 something years ago, like that graduation party I was talking about. I can go right back to that and I can go right back to my childhood and the odd experiences then. And I think that's different than a lot of people. If you're not an experiencer and you do experience one or two things that are strange, I don't think you remember it the same way that someone who's an experiencer does, but I think it messes with my sense of time. Um, so I'm weird. Do you so, think that's a yeah. function of the experiences or the ex being an experiencer? I don't know. I really don't know, but I do feel like I can go back and experience it again fairly clearly mm -hmm. and describe it very, very clearly. Um, and that's, I think that's odd because I've talked with 
people who were at the the party that we were at, Kendra, and mm -hmm. and who saw the same. Everybody saw something slightly different or heard yeah. something slightly different. The experiences were congruent, but they weren't exactly the same. Right. And I've had people tell me, no, I don't remember it as clearly as you do. And I think that that was mostly the people who don't experience things as often as we do. I but think their brain kind of shunts it off somewhere, puts it on a shelf, like Peter said. Yeah. Yeah. My, 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 my oldest brother um, is interesting that way. He just doesn't remember so many of the things that I remember so clearly. Not only, uh, I mean, our childhood. Um, and here's the funny, here's the kicker. He acted basically kind of as my shaman for a while because he was really interested in investigating consciousness. He went through a whole period where he read Jung, uh, as many of, of Carl Jung's books as he could. Um, and we slept in the same bed for, for a while, which is really fascinating because I think that our, our consciousnesses did some really interesting merging. Um, and um, he told me things about old hag experiences that he had, you know, the, the basically the idea of there's a presence in the room and it's sitting on you and it feels. And um, he also basically told me what to listen for before an out of body experience. The sort of like this kind of rushing water sound or wind whistling. And that's like the moment you want to, okay, you want to take off then. He doesn't remember any of that stuff now. He, it's, oh, it's like, oh. he had to basically get on with his life, I think. It was a phase, it was a period he went through, but I was the beneficiary of it. And it was probably meant for me um, to receive this, um, these techniques he was teaching me <laughs> and about dreaming too i mean we used to talk about you know the dream where you wake up oh wow that was a dream and then all of a sudden you realize something's not quite right in your room and then you wake up again and you keep waking up and keep waking up and keep waking up until you oh, finally wake up until you finally wake up but then you're not sure yeah <laughs> yeah i love that that's always great <laughs> So, 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 yeah, I, I remember, in fact, my memory about events in the past is better than ever. Uh, I used to think I didn't have a visual memory. You know, my wife is the art, the visual artist. Um, I work as an art model, but I'm not a, I'm not a visual person so much. And yet I have visual memories of places that I've been that I can recall almost, you know, almost perfectly. Uh, and certainly experiences, I recall those. Because for one thing, there's this emotional charge. When you see a ghost, there's an emotional charge, okay? That's, um, so, that's yeah. something I was going to bring up, was the attachment of emotion to a memory. And that, when you do that, it it's much more clear. Yeah, that may be why I remember all of the weird things, because there is an emotional attachment to it. And as a landowner... You're emotionally engaged in keeping your people com uh, comfortable. True. 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 So. Yeah, since, since it was at my house that it happened, mm -hmm. and we lived on that land, and mm -hmm. that land kind of claimed us. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. That absolutely makes sense. So you said you lived in a haunted house. Can you tell us about your haunted house? Yeah, um, inexplicable things would happen there. I'll give you an example. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
a mutual, a, fr a friend of ours um, was going on vacation and he wanted us to take care of this mouse he'd found. And the mouse was, it was like in a pail and my wife sort of volunteered to do this. It's not something, anything I would have volunteered to do because I don't have that sympathetic feeling with mice. Um, <laughs> my son always wanted to get mice and rats and stuff for the house and like, you know, but anyway, that's a different story. Um, so the mouse dis disappeared at some point. Um, and we were like, uh, before our friend came back, Paul, Paul uh, our friend Paul, and um, he, I was, he's gone a week or something. And my wife had dutifully taken care of this mouse, but um, somehow the mouse had, had slipped out. And then uh, when Paul came back, he was extremely upset. You know, you killed the mouse, you killed the oh. mouse. And, uh, and, and, some, and we somehow opened up a, a floorboard. There was this loose floorboard in our, this was the upstairs apartment of the haunted place. Okay, the upstairs, it was like a two-story place and the upstairs was um, a little smaller than the downstairs area. We pulled it open and there was like, there was like a, 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 a outline in bone of a mouse, but there was no fur, there was nothing like that. It was kind of like maybe um, a mouse had died there like 20 years earlier or something. Oh, but that's it, creepy. It just it just felt so bizarre. Okay, why is that there? Why was there this loose board we never saw before? There was also like somebody so we in the yard in the backyard, somebody had left a, a little robin or something with a with a hat pin in its heart. So that's like oh. pure pure evil, you know. So yeah. there was like there was neighborhood evil going on. Uh, we don't know who did that or why. Uh, couldn't I don't think it was even in, in the house. Um, there were also uh, incidents. I remember hearing my cat speaking English. Um, it's cold. I want to come in. <laughs> so I open the door and in comes my cat. Um, there was poltergeist activity. My um, uh, glass, a, a big glass vase that was heavy. Um, I opened up the shelf. It used to belong to my aunt Emma. And I opened up the shelf where it had been for a long time. We weren't using it, but it's something we picked up uh, after her funeral. We had to clear out her living space. So we took a couple things. And um, I opened up the shelf, and it just did this thing where it popped right up, landed on the floor. Oh. You know, it clearly wasn't like it jammed against it and then fell down. It, it jumped up and landed on the floor. So poltergeist activity. Uh, there were noises that I think went beyond just house settling. Uh, when I was trying to meditate and I was there all by myself, I'd hear that. Uh, I'd hear something trying to interrupt my meditation. But I also had really wonderful spiritual experiences there. It just was, you know, it was near the Mississippi River. And I, uh, think, that, I think that she of the Mississippi River does some odd things that it, and it affects the area, okay? Yeah. And, um, and also, you know, just the Native American activity that probably, who knows what kind of um, land we were on. Um, were there any graves? I don't know. I can't say. But I think it's just a very, very active part of the world, the United States, where I think Athens probably is too. Yeah. Um, and and that so, yeah, so that, that's, you know, basically that's it.
Well, that's cool. What's what's going on like now? Now that you're very comfortable with meditation and everything, are you having current experiences or have things sort of died down? Or well, yeah, that's a really great question. What what I've realized over the last few years is that I I'm somebody that confuse uh, dead people come to spirits come to me, uh, and um, it happens at night. And I'm all of a sudden aware. I see a face. I see the circumstances of their death in a lot of cases. Um, they're not sure they died or they don't get it. They don't know what to do. So that same Mondema who, whose face basically did a poltergeist act on us, um, uh, I she she had run the family funeral home um, when I was growing up, uh, the Stencil Funeral Home in Crookston, Minnesota. Yeah. So I uh, recruited her now that she's on the other side. And maybe she was already doing this, but I said, hey, can you help us your souls? And I never see the souls uh, go to the light, but I call on her. They come to me for some reason. I've been told they come to me because I, I cast a certain light. They, they, they come because they recognize in me somebody that can aid them in some way. But I never see anything beyond. I just like a call on angels. And I call on Emma and her band of angels, and then I never hear from them again. Um, so I consider that to be probably effective. Um, so yeah, and I'm also do mediumship work um, for friends uh, that are that need it. I, I don't do this as a profession. I'm still in the learning stages of that. Yeah, um, I'm taking right now. I'm taking a, a class from a spiritualist. There's an African American spiritualist minister uh, friend. Um, that uh, I made. I was reading like this great great encyclopedia of spiritualism and and uh i thought hey i wonder if there's any still any spiritualist churches around because we heard that they're all gone right oh because yeah. it was all proven to be fake and all that stuff. but but this encyclopedia was actually a very honest one it was not um it was not trying to discount all that and i found a church in gardena california and uh, so the reverend sharon standards we just call her reverend sharon um I walked in there and and she mentions the name Peter pointing right at me and so I got my, <laughs> proof, I got my uh, proof that I was waiting for and she was kind of tickled about that too anyway she teaches um right now I'm taking a mediumship practicum from her and she puts us it since it's zoom um you know <laughs> you can do this breakout room so she uh last Thursday she put me in a breakout room uh with uh, a woman um and uh, we both were able to identify without any prompting the spirit that was with the other person and nice. it was the most really wonderful um wonderful experience so um yeah in my dreams this has been going on quite a while now uh but um in terms of be feeling comfortable with like reading for people that's something that i'm entering into uh, and my wife also um, can do this. She's very, um, she's a very uh, good tarot reader. She's been for years. Right now, she's really involved with making a grimoire of all these um, herbs. Um, she's finding out all the information she can about the weeds and the plants and the herbs, uh, and we in our garden. And we try to, you know, get more that uh, there's something that they have healing properties. That's really cool. Yeah, we're we're, we're kind of. A, we're kind of a lucky marriage. I mean, we're lucky that way. I'm, I'm Sag and she's Taurus and we're told, oh, no, that never works out. Um, 
but but we were drawn to each other. I was drawn to to her because when I met her, she was still reading with just a regular deck of playing cards, and she would read uh, for my friends that she didn't know yet because we had just met, and they were yeah. so bright, they were so spot on. I just said, okay, she's got this talent, uh, and. So we've kind of grown together and listened to the same spiritual lectures or read a lot of the same books. And, that's uh, sweet. So that's kind of my thing now. Yeah, I don't, I don't, um, well, you know, I have the occasional ghost. I mean, for one thing, it's like now my ghosts are, they're, they're formerly dead people, okay? I'm not experiencing too much in terms of just um, some kind of, aware consciousness that comes in and uh, and wreaks havoc or does odd things. I, I've, I've, we've learned to keep our house very protected. So, um, I, and I don't see crazy spirits. I just see spirits that are confused. You know, it's been a while since I felt uh, malevolent spirits in my dreams. And when, it, and when it happens, I know how to basically deal with them and, and get them gone. Um, but it's been a long time because uh, I think we've, we've uh, developed a certain protection. Uh, yeah. Which I recommend. And by the way, I don't use Ouija boards anymore. That was that was a that's a kid thing. That's a kid thing. And luckily, nothing ever really happened with that. I've now talked to people that say, "Oh yeah, we did Ouija board when I was a kid, and we saw it like rise off the floor and zoom across the the you know the floor to hit the wall and all this you know kind of act weird stuff." And I read that book um, about danger of Ouija boards and that pretty much did it for me. I just, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I don't recommend it. I don't recommend that at all. The only experience I had with the Ouija board, it lied. We were uh, messing around with it. It wasn't doing much. And then my friend yelled at it. And then he asked if the pretzels were on the bar were stale and it said, no, I mean, it went straight to no. And he ate them and they were awful. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, well, that's what you get. <laughs> Yeah, yeah there's, there's, you're, you're, inviting low, you're inviting a very low energy. You don't exactly. Yeah. exactly. I had a friend who was really, he started using a Ouija board and he was old enough to know better. He was in his 20s. He had no excuse. Um, but he started using it and he kept getting this spirit who told, who told them his name was Saul. S-A-U-L. Yeah. And I was like, Saul? I was like, so you got some Jewish dude who's messing with you or, you know, or is he something else? You know, is, is he, you know, I said, ask him if he's Jewish. And, uh, you know, he comes back to work the next day. He goes, Oh, he says he's Jewish. And I was like, really? And he said, I want you to try it with me. And I went, well, we're not doing it at my house. Cause screw that. <laughs> um, I don't need I'll to do it at my place. Twice. I'll do it at your place. But I, I do, and I said, and I'm casting circle around it first. So if it can't get oh, through sure. the circle, then we're not having it. We're not having Absolutely. it. He said, okay. And so I went to his house and I said, the other thing we're going to do is we're going to do this blindfolded. And we're going to have the people around us set up the Ouija board so we don't know what direction anything's in. And he said, oh, that's really smart. And I'm like, what, you didn't think of that? And he's like, no. And I'm like, then how do you know it's not your subconscious mind? And he's like, well, I guess I don't. I said, see, there you go. So I said, here we go. We set it up. I cast the circle. I sprinkled, you know, I didn't use salt. I sprinkled um, sage around the circle and rue. And I sat down 
And they put the blindfolds on us. We checked them to see if we could see. We couldn't see. And uh, they set up the Ouija board and guided our hands to the planchette. And immediately, as, as he had said, um, it started moving very fast as we had our hands on it. And I could tell I wasn't moving it. And I was pretty sure he wasn't either. Um, and it started spelling right away. It started spelling me, 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 me. So clearly this is a narcissistic person, whoever it is. And then the next thing that happened is I said, is this Saul? And it said, me, 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 me. And I was like, okay, this guy's kind of boring. And, and then I said, is this Saul? And it said, yes. And I said, okay. And I said, do you speak Latin? And it said, yes. And I said, okay. I'm going to ask questions and you're going to answer them in Latin. You know, that bastard answered correctly because the other people didn't. I was the only one who knew Latin, but I didn't know where the letters were. So I, I asked the questions and it answered like three questions worth and then it got mad. And it just kept saying no to everything. It just kept, just kept saying no, no, no. And... So my friend asked, why are you saying no? What, what's wrong? And it said, she makes me work. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, that's it. See, you're, 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 you're really kind of asking. I mean, the thing is, these things work. But the problem is it you're asking somebody that might not be interested, some entity that might not really be interested in working oh, with you. And it, they can yeah. do things to trip you up. Exactly. And it the thing was, is I basically said, look, you've got some creature that's telling you a story that interests you and you're feeding it. Yeah. By having your belief and your interest in it. I was like, yes, it knows enough Latin to answer me. It's grammar is horrible, but it does know the words well enough. It may have picked up, picked it up out of my head, but you know, it can answer that, but it's clearly not someone who spoke Latin as a native language, and it's oh, not I somebody see. who was a scholar. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, if he is Jewish, um, he doesn't speak Hebrew, because I said, can you transliterate Hebrew into English letters? And it said no. And I'm like, so he's not, if he is Jewish, he isn't one who, who spoke, you know, Hebrew. I asked if it spoke Yiddish, it didn't. And I was like, you know, this is just some spirit. You know, just because somebody's dead doesn't mean they tell the truth. Right. Oh, exactly. In fact, you that know. was that was yeah, that that right right away I, I was like when I was much younger, I was doing mediumship work and um and something somebody said that to me and it really was good for me to hear it at that time. And I set all that aside. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think as you get older you you get a little more wise to some of that. Um, well it's like that it's like in the Bible they talk about discern the spirits. I think Paul yes. or somebody, you know, discern yes. them because you don't you don't want to be led down the the primrose path to, you know, something 
kind of dumb and, you know, banal and mediocre, um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, yeah. Yeah, you do, it's, it's, it's one of those things. I, I don't, you know, a lot of younger people are like, oh, I'm talking to this person and they have this whole story. And I'm like, is it true? Right. Maybe. I rem- you don't know. There were, there were, do you know, um, the, um, there was a, somebody named Anna Kingsford and Edward Maitland. Are you familiar with them? They wrote a series of books on their experiences using a planchette. And she talks about that very thing about consciousness that one time they got the consciousness of a, of, of like a shellfish or something. <laughs> and it, it's, <laughs> the message was crustaceans are the spiritual masters of the universe. <laughs> you know, it, 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 it was I mean, a Scientologist. You know, it's the best. Oh my God! So yeah, that that's you know. So she then realized, okay, you know, you got to be careful with this stuff. And 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 mostly in my in my case, in fact, um, one thing that our, my spiritualist minister friend Reverend Sharon says is, it's not just psychic. You don't want to just stay on a psychic level. You want to be on a spirit level and you ask spirit to help you with it. So, but then it gets into immediately into a higher area and then the, the yeah. protection comes down to, and you, you learn how to ground yourself. You put the roots down into the earth uh, from your spine or from your feet or both. Um, and you do a number of things. It, so this is not something to be toyed with um, at all. Um, yeah. But of course, you know, that's not going to stop people from playing with it. Especially when you're young. Yeah, you, you know, know when, and as long as you survive, you know, and, and then learn from it, you know. Yeah, you know, absolutely. When you're 15 and you want pretzels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we all go through our the craft phase, you know, somewhere in middle to high school to college. Everybody goes through that phase, I think. Like everybody plays Bloody Mary at least once. Oh no, that's actually uh-huh. something I don't know about. What is Bloody Mary? I heard it in, in okay. your uh, in your first podcast. You talk about did it. not. So <laughs> Bloody Mary is a game that was it. You know how kids have like their own mythology, yes. like from elementary school on, and it it's passed down just from children. Like it really is like passed down from children to children. Um, oh, Bloody sure. Mary, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Is, Bloody Mary is one of the those. board and that stuff. Um. So the story of Bloody Mary that I remember is that she was murdered in her bathroom by her mother, who was jealous of her, and. If you turn off all the lights and light a candle in front of a bathroom mirror with the door shut and you say her name either three times or five times. And on the last time you say your name, you blow the candle out. She'll be there in the mirror (laughs) with the knife that killed her. (laughs) I always heard it. I always heard it that you would when you flip the light back on. Your face would be covered in scratches. I'm like, nope. No, that was what would supposedly happen. There would be, you would, if you, nope. if you were too scared after you blew the candle out and you kept your eyes shut, she would scratch your face. You yeah. would find bloody handprints on the mirror. Cause like, of course, kids would say we did this. And of course, kids may well have done this. I did it once. Nothing happened. 
mostly because I was the sensible child. Well, I was the unkind child in some ways. I was sensible enough to know, look, I've already dealt with weird stuff. My grandparents' house is super haunted. If she does show up in the glass, I'm going to throw the other kid who made me do this at her and go out the door because I was mean when I was seven. <laughs> <laughs> you should have brought, brought a hammer. Well, I thought she shows up, it. you just break the glass. I thought about <laughs> that, but then I was like, honestly, what if she gets out of the mirror if you break the mirror? Fair. Okay, that's that's kid logic, and that's good kid that's logic. That's fair. So I was What's like, I was just ready to pull open the door and like let light in because the light was supposed to make her go away. Um, but nothing happened. Like, you didn't hear her because some kids would say, you know, you're going to hear her. She'll whisper at you or, you know, there'll be bloody handprints on the glass. She'll touch you. You know, something will happen. And some kids, like the older kids would be like, or she'll pull you into the mirror and you'll die, you know, because they're, like, they're in sixth grade and we're in second. So they're like, let's scare the bejesus out of you. <laughs> Yeah, I get you know, for, for for me those those kind of experiences were more when all I got together with my brothers and my cousins at the Stencil family funeral home where we would sleep in the top area, and we would sleep in a room that had a glass door to a spiral staircase that went right down to where the bodies were. No, and they have us there. <laughs> uh -uh. And of course, we all told these ghost stories and and scared ourselves silly, <clears throat> and and um, pardon me and. Uh, I don't know, you know, when we went to sleep because I would just be sitting there waiting for, you know, something to start creeping up through that, this <laughs> mm -hmm. staircase and come through the door. And we'd all see bodies down there. And they showed us, you know, they, they in fact, we used to play in the coffins. We used to, there were people, <laughs> <laughs> there was a whole coffin showroom. And, yep. you know, uh, I never got myself in the coffin, but I guess my cousin Kurt did and, you know, had somebody close the, yeah. And, oh oh See, my I God! The trust anyone be... enough to open it back up. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean there were all these movies like I Lie in My Coffin, Alive. You know, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd see these these scary movie advertisements, um, and my imagination did run wild when I'd see those. Oh my gosh! But no, I don't. Yeah, I don't recall. I mean, that's interesting. That sort of mythology and then that happening. We would just look ourselves in the mirror until our face changed, my brothers and me. And that's um, my favorite. And that, yeah, to me, that was really interesting because I'd start seeing an elf. I'd start seeing, you know, my ears would grow. Um, I'd get completely different features. And I don't really know what that is. It could be like you're starting to see your past life. It could be what you're doing is your, what um, Heisenberg said. You know, we, when we observe things, our belief system kind of enters in and we think, okay, I'm looking at my bed. Yeah, that's a bed because I know it's a bed. But when I'm not looking at it, is it still a bed? So we would, we would play around. Um, I, do, I don't think I ever got in a coffin, um, but they let us have the run of the funeral home. Um, if we wanted to go down and look at a body in state or uh, it was there, I, I think maybe there were certain doors locked up, but they did bring us in once to the room where the... Uh, embalming room and showed us a body being embalmed and wow. they also showed us uh, a little girl who'd run into traffic oh. and she was she was yeah I'm, she was like six or some six years old and they just had her there with just a washcloth she was basically naked except with the washcloth over her 
groin and area and still beaten up. She hadn't been, you know, her body had bruises. And it was like an example for us, don't ever play in traffic. Good Lord. Um, and of course, I just, yeah, I felt really, a hell of a I felt really sorry for her. <laughs> I mean, in a way, it was, maybe that's just why, you know, those early experiences might be one reason why spirits come to me. Now. I was going to say, yeah. and, and it's interesting that your Aunt Emma is now a psychopomp. Yeah. Because yeah. that's kind of what she was doing when she yeah. was alive, at least with the body. Yeah, exactly, exactly. In fact, she was one of those, She was, every time we first arrived at, at her place, she would have newspaper clippings about the latest disaster that happened. You know, oh, these two boys were sliding down. It was snowy and they were sliding and they, you know, went into the water and drowned. Good and Lord. she wanted us to know about these things. It was like, they were very, she was very, very, uh, interested in all those deaths, I think because she wasn't. Is that the word psychopomp? Yeah, or she, psychopomp. She was probably doing the same thing I've been doing all this time, you know? Yeah. It's just that that's not something she's going to relate to everyone because she doesn't want to sound totally crazy. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You know, so that's, that's, I think that's fascinating that, you know, you, you were led in and you were allowed to see an embalming happen. That's that's really interesting that it was normalized. Um, Americans yes. are very weird about death, um, and and we're very abnormal about death. I think um, so. I think that was that was healthy. Although I can see here's a six year old girl who ran into traffic. You don't want to do that. That's kind of hardcore. That's that. Yeah, <laughs> it's a little bit. The parents. You know my my father and his and and his sister and my aunt they kind of argued over whether they should do it should we should we do this should we not there was sort of like a little discussion right. about it but then in the end in the end they did i'm actually very grateful for it i never had to go through a goth period you know i like i like <laughs> a, i like some of the music but i didn't have to really go through that because believe me i was already there right um, yeah. I, you know so so uh, and then um well, I had a, I, I won't go into it right now, but I did have a near-death experience in my early 20s that basically totally eradicated every all fear of death. So I just don't have fear of death. Um, I, I could die tomorrow and be very happy about it. Um, and I think that also makes it very easy for me to talk to people on the other side. You know, hey, I don't have that fear of death. Why should they? You know, don't be worried that you're dead. You know, your consciousness will survive. You're just ready for something else now. Um, I've taken to calling it the step aside. It's what like they, they just, it? I call it the step aside. You step, step aside. aside and you leave this body and you step aside into something else. They're, exactly. That's a wonderful way to look at it. Yeah. Because I think they're not sure if they still are in their body or not sometimes. And I do see images. I see, you know, but um, yeah, sometimes they die of asphyxiation. Sometimes they've died in a fire. Sometimes, they, you know, I, I, I often get that. In fact, I remember when this first started happening, I had no clue. Why am I seeing this really graphic? Why am I, when I'm taking a nap, do I see a really graphic car crash happen, a very horrible car crash happen on a freeway? Because I didn't know then that I should be looking for spirits to help. I just would see these things and I would like to, this, and this is not a dream. I knew it wasn't a dream. It was like remote viewing, basically. Right. Um, yeah. And then luckily I kind of figured it out. After... 
after my nephew passed away, um, he was 22 and I was pregnant <clears throat> with my oldest daughter. Um, very long story as to why I was stuck in Manhattan at 35 weeks pregnant. Um, but basically all the planes got uh, grounded and I ended up sleeping in his loft, um, the loft he was born in for about a week. Nobody else was around because they their flights got out, mine didn't. But I had a dream, wasn't really a dream. It was, he visited me and I was laying on the sofa where I, where I had been sleeping and I was having a very clear conversation with him about what was on the other side and what he was going through. And he was very reassuring. He's like, it's fine. It's really fine. And I remember that's like the gist of the whole thing. But at that, at the point that he said the words, it's fine. I looked at him and then I was like, it has to be really hard for you to be here. And then in my dream state, I turned to look at his urn and the, and I couldn't quite see it. And then when I looked back, he was gone. And it was the weirdest thing. Like I had just broken the energy and he was, he got his message across and I was strangely at peace with that one. It sucks. I miss him, but that gave me such peace that it brought peace to so many other deaths that I've experienced. Yeah. Yeah. This, I just got shivers up and down my back when you talked about the urn and then looking back and he's not there. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. It that's was, like a confirmation too. It's like for, for all it, I know, maybe he's touching me and just saying, yeah, this happened. <laughs> um, well, and it was interesting too, because his father had also passed. Um, and his father had been living, living in that loft at the time. But um, when my nephew was sick, he had leukemia, 9-11 uh, induced leukemia. And when he was sick, his dad visited him in a dream and said pretty much the same thing. Mm. It's it's going to be okay. That's good. That's good. So it was kind of a neat, I felt like he was just kind of passing along the information to kind of confirm what his dad said. Like, you're going to be all right. Wow. Yeah. I got lucky. It's so beautiful. Yeah. So. Another thing you you had asked Kendra, I think it was Kendra or Morgana maybe, who uh, who asked me, "What are you? What's what's happening with you now?" And yes. um, there's another thing that I'll mention because it's it's kind of of interest. Um, I'm an art model, and I'm, I basically pose for uh, college and university classes or community classes or art art schools, and there was one time uh, at uh, Barnstow, not Barnstow, um, there's one time at a, a Glen, at a library in Glendale, they also have a watercolor class. And I was in a costume, I, I don't remember what costume, oh yeah, I was in my Renaissance costume. <laughs> and it was a long pose, and basically that means 25 minutes on, five minutes off for break, mm -hmm. and then you get back to the same position, 25 minutes. And so I was amusing myself a lot of times i'll have various things that go i go through sometimes i go through bouts of ecstasy that for some odd reason and that's great but in this case 
I was aware that there were a bunch of spirits and they were in a line and they wanted to talk to me. And one by one, I had to basically say, okay, one at a time, one at a time, <laughs> because they all were, they were all clamoring in, right? And these spirits wanted absolution. These were spirits that had some sort of thing that felt that they were keeping them from the light. Like I cheated on my husband or, you know, I killed somebody. Um, and each one would confess what they did. Um, I didn't necessarily get images with this, but I could hear them in my, in my, in my mind, in my brain, basically, or hear them somehow and be aware of them, you know, um, psychically, um, I guess, ESP of some sort. And then I would just, you know, say, okay, okay, you know, don't worry. I mean, when you're going to have a life review and you're going to deal with these, you know, the situation you did, but believe me, you'll be fine in the end. You'll get through it. And mm -hmm. one and one by one, they would just like come and then they would, you know, go. So that that's the only time I've had that sort of, you know, <laughs> Judge Judy. I don't know. I just had, I was like sitting there and I was sort of thinking, you know, who am I to basically give them absolution? But then I thought, you know, if they're not going to get it from anyone else, if they, they don't believe any kind of deity or higher being or angels or anything, maybe I'm the person to do it. And it, it was really felt satisfying in the end. Um, I do also, I'm aware at some of the schools I model for, like if there's been a student that committed suicide and he'll come through to me and, or if there's been, uh, or, or, you know, art models from the past or art teachers from the past. Uh, one time at Whittier College there, the art department, the art, uh, place where I pose is like in the attic of the old gym. And I once met a former student who was there in the 30s um who had been like a star athlete and he was hanging around because he was so proud of those days right and it's the old ships and you know there was no Aww. sense of any kind of threat or and he was just i think he basically comes back i think he he he's not like confused or anything but it's just a spirit that comes back and wants to visit from time to time and he was aware that i knew about it. I, I, I that i was aware i was um, gonna say i think they probably can tell when we can hear them and then they seek us out when they yes, can yes they can Yes, they absolutely they can. can. That was that. <laughs> All weird yeah. things can tell. That's what my aunt Emma was like at her funeral, um, mm -hmm. which got me into eighteen kinds of trouble. And I was I was in high school. She was in her eighties. She's a very nice Lutheran lady, tiny lady, and um, she died in her sleep. And uh, we went to the funeral. My mother wasn't there because my grandfather was sick. So she was, she was off staying with him and taking care of him. But my dad was there and his sisters were there. And I was sitting in between his younger sister and older sister. And, um, you know, we're sitting there. And it's sad, but it's not super sad because, you know, she had gotten Alzheimer's. So she didn't, she wasn't one of the ones who doesn't remember anything at all. She's, she was one of the ones who went backwards in time and she would confuse who people were. We'd become people from her past. Um, sure. I became a boy because my hair was short. Um, you know, she she would um, tell us what was happening 
at that time in her memory, in her mind. So we got really cool stories. I always liked visiting her. I never got bored because she was telling me all about my hometown from, you know, 75 years ago, which was fascinating. And uh, that was cool. So we weren't super, super sad. Nobody was really crying too much. You know, there was a little sniffly here and there. And the minister was going on and on and on. He was a new minister for the church and nobody really loved him. And so we were all kind of sitting there, you know, there were lots of flowers. I'm looking at the flowers, trying not to get bored. I could tell my dad, you know, he was crossing and uncrossing and crossing his legs over and over, kind of getting this look on his face. No, Poppy he is like certain that anyway, lightning though. will strike it at some point And that will be the end of him. Um, he was an altar boy and he never got <laughs> over the experience. He didn't like oh, it. Boy. Um, anyway, I'm sitting there and I start looking at the minister because I've run out of things to look at. So I'm looking at him and I see this shimmering shape behind him. And I'm like, what is that? And a head shape sort of peeked out from behind him and, and, and it was at about his chest level. So this little head sort of pokes out and I realize, oh my God, it's got a bun on its head. It's Aunt Emma. And then she sticks herself out far enough that I could see she's this little round lady, you know, and she's short and she's wearing one of her dresses. And then she pops back behind him and I'm like, what are you doing? (laughs) And then she pops out of the other side and she waves. She's, you know, she just flutters her fingers at me. And I'm like, oh my God, you know, I can see you. Oh my God. (laughs) And then she starts bouncing up and down and then she just zooms up to the ceiling and starts flying around. Clearly she is overjoyed that she can fly. And I was like, Oh my God. And so I start to giggle because she's having so much fun. I I can't hear her giggling, but I can feel it. Like she is bubbling over with joy. It's like the, the, uh, in the Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, where they have the the stuff that you drink that makes you bubble mm-hmm. and it makes you fly and it makes you laugh. And then to come back to Earth, you have to burp. It was like she was having that and I could feel it. And and, and I so I just <laughs> I start laughing <laughs> and then I have to hide it because my my aunts are like, what are you doing? What what are you laughing at? What's wrong with you? And then my dad starts <laughs> You know, he's he's up ahead of us because he was one of the pallbearers. So he starts looking over his shoulder at me with this I will kill you later look, you know. And so I'm sitting there. And so I the only thing I could do was to pretend to cry. And so I cover my face and my shoulders are shaking and I'm going. (laughs) 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 And every time I look up, she's bouncing around and flying and then she she realizes she's about to get me into serious trouble. So she just sort of zips down and then peeks out from behind him one more time and waves. And then, you know, <laughs> is done with her shenanigans, which is good. Cause we have to get up and sing whichever hymn it was. And so once I was singing, I was fine. 
you know, I'm standing there with my aunts. Everybody in the family could sing except Uncle Freddie, and he's behind us, and, and we have to sing loud to cover him up because his voice just wanders all over. He used to be a boxer, so he got hit <laughs> enough times that he basically went deaf. So his voice just... Yeah. But he would never sing quietly. So, you know, we always yeah. formed a wall of sound around him at church. So we're all singing really, really loudly. And that, that you know, made it so that I could get through. And so, Raise your voices to the Lord. Yes. Oh, he always made a joyful noise to the Lord. And I just really hope the Lord actually found it joyful because it was terrible. <laughs> And we I haven't grown up in the Lutheran church. I know how loud Lutherans can oh sing. Oh my so it's a god. Good thing, you know? Yes. yes. And sure, so sure he was round. Oh, he was. He was very he was loud. And he was a tiny, tiny man too, but he was so loud. Um, so afterwards, we go back to to um, one of our cousins' houses and we're having the luncheon. It's very proper. And um, my Aunt Judy pulls me aside and she was a lot like me. She could see things and, and she knew I was seeing something. And she said, what happened? Why were you laughing? And I was like, I wasn't. And she's like, yes, you were, you were laughing and you were trying to cover it up. And I said, I could see aunt Emma. And she said, what was she doing? I said, she was hiding behind the minister and then peeking out and waving at me. And then she started bouncing up into the air and flying and was flying around and giggling, I could feel her giggling. I, I didn't, I couldn't hear it, but I could feel it. And she said, well, what did she look like? I said, well, she looked like Aunt Emma's silhouette, but sparkly, silver and sparkly. And she said, you know, that sounds just like her. She said, mm -hmm. she knew you could see her. I was like, oh yeah, she did. She knew I could see her because she was waving right at me. And she said, I can just see her. She probably thought that was the funniest thing. And when she got to heaven, she probably went to her sister and said, Florence, you won't believe what I did at my funeral. Too bad <laughs> you weren't there. You could have done it too. You know, and I was just like, oh my God. And then my dad came in and said, what are you two talking about? And Aunt Judy said, oh, Barbara could see Emma at the funeral. And he said, okay, whatever. I'm leaving. <laughs> he just, he just. <laughs> went, I need a drink. And, and and he went to get some whiskey and feel better. But that's, it's funny that we both had Ann Emma's. That is such a terrific story. The only time I saw, um, uh, I was at a funeral where I saw that like flying around was my, my aunt Joanne, uh, my wife's aunt Joanne, who basically was a fun loving person. Her husband and her they lived close to Disneyland in here in uh, Anaheim, <laughs> in Orange County, and her husband like said, "Oh, Disneyland! It's just, it's just Fantasyland. It's what? Why? Why do you like? Just I like Fantasyland, you know." They had this discussion, and uh, so Aunt Joanne was just this really wonderful, pleasant person that we just love dearly. And at her funeral, I was very happy to see the flying around. But cool. it wasn't like she waved at me. There was no sparkly stuff. It was just like a, a real a shadow I could see through, kind of a, a whitish shadow I yeah. could see through. Yeah. Normally um, at funerals, I have not seen that kind of thing. And of course, don't 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 imagine I'm not looking. You know, <laughs> I mean, I'm definitely definitely gonna see if there's anything that I can see. Um, and I think you know uh, we hear that like initially when pe most people die. It takes several days before their spirit is aware enough to make contact 
Um, that's my experience when I'm the one that I'm the first relative, usually that um, friends of the family and relatives come through to. I'm, or at least I'm the first to talk about it. My, I talk to my mom about this now, so she just accepts it as normal, thankfully now. And of course, she gets these things to her. My father, who died in 2010, I think he visits her pretty regularly, at least in dreams and so forth. He's come to me. Um, in fact, he came to me about the, the election. Uh, he said, don't be afraid. So I knew Biden was going to win. He said, don't be afraid. But that, that's yeah. anyway. Um, so so, um, so anyway, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of where I was at with that. Um, oh, yeah. I'm, so I'm the first person that the relatives come to. Um, it's not just lost souls that come to me. I, I, um, and one time there was a relative of my mom. If she was like um, uh, one of these kind of halfway distant relatives, but not that halfway distant from my mom, like a cousin's, you know, like, like a cousin of some sort. And I had this very bizarre vision where I saw a name written in uh, basically carbon or charcoal or something on on a wall and the wall was sort of like this sort of greenish color and it was the name of a person and on a hunch i called my mom i said mom do you know this name and 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 she said oh i i know that name and i said what she said oh, she she died in a fire she had there was like a there was like a fire um a heater a space heater that that she fell asleep with in the space heater caused a fire. And the irony is her son worked for the fire department and they got the call and he got there too late. Oh. So it was a very, very horrible, sad oh. death. And, but she was, she wanted me to be aware that she had passed. This is not even a relative I knew, but my mom knew right. and told me about all this. That's like confirmation right there. You know, it's like, okay, it was a fire because, you know, the charcoal, basically, it was the charred ashes right. she was using to write the name, right, right. Uh, in, the, in the sort of vision I had. Um, mostly when the relatives come through, it's much more happy. It's much more cheerful. Like, I did have um, a former teacher of mine who's also a friend of our family who um, – he came through me. Uh, I usually see things on a Scrabble board, like, um, and, and he said his name um, on the Scrabble board. And I said, and I was aware. Okay, he must have passed on. It turned out he had passed on about a week before. Then he came to me a second time, and said the word CD, and it, it was not like a compact disc. It was a certificate of deposit. So I think there's a certificate of deposit he needs his widow to find. And I have so far I've been unsuccessful in trying to locate members of his family um, to let her know, just double check. And, you know, there's always this thing when you do this, it's like, you know, how much do I reveal? You know, oh, you know, your, your dead husband came through to me. Um, yeah. Or just say, hey, I have this funny feeling about it. I, I'm, I'm still, you know, a little, you know, a little bit skittish. Most of the time people are very happy, though, when I when I do give them the information, yeah, you know, came through. Very happy person, you know, uh, kind of like uh, Kendra, what you were talking about uh, with your nephew. They yeah. give me this good feeling, okay, yeah, I'm doing fine. And so yeah. when I tell my relatives, you know, yeah, your father came through, he's, he's doing fine, they actually are quite happy to hear that. Yeah, that is that is comforting. It's extremely comforting, yeah. Yeah. 
No. I don't get ghosts like that. I... We don't... We're not ghosts. It Ghosts don't run in our family that strongly. Like, not in that way. Like, not in any sort of spiritualism sense. Like, I've encountered ghosts, and I know you've encountered ghosts, but, like, our family line is just... I don't know what we have besides just strange. I just call it the sight. We just see things, like, all the time. Like, in sort of the ancient version of the sight. Like, you just see stuff that normal people don't see, or normal people only sometimes see at the right time or the it's right like you place. Are, you are sh sh <sighs> you're shamanic seers. You're, you're basically sh shamanic seers, yeah. like like the ancient, like the Viking women who were seers back, back in the day. Okay. <laughs> I am the laziest shaman. <laughs> that would be a good book. That would be. <laughs> oh, like really though, I try not to do too much with it because the more I mess with it, for me anyway, the more I, I do things with it, the more I, I was honestly a little reluctant to do this podcast in the beginning. Because I was exactly. like, we're just going to draw attention down to ourselves. The more and... I mess with it, the more it messes with me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but actually, I was about nothing... to say, okay, don't say, say that. That. Because <laughs> don't say it. Don't tempt fate. Um, things have been moderately uh, quiet. What is wrong with you? Aside oh. from the UFOs. You never say things oh, are quiet. That have been getting closer. Yeah, over since I've lived in this house, um, I actually hadn't seen any for a while, for a long time, until we move moved to, to the new apartment. And uh, two and a half years ago, going on three. Um, and we, I hadn't seen, actually, I hadn't seen just about any since right. before the Christmas UFOs was really when that kicked off. Um, and then before that, I had only seen, I want to say, like, three, well, three in one incident, and then two, and one in each of two separate incidents. Mostly what I got was little fairy orb light things um but yeah they you photographed one more frequently harsh i did i did photograph one i did manage to take a picture of the one that was really close that was about i want to say a hundred feet up but it wasn't they weren't big they were little prismatic red Except they show up on spheres. the camera as a blob. Yeah, and they were prismatic, bright red, almost flaming Ooh. lights. Like, yeah. like you know yeah, how yeah. a planet will look? Like that really bright, but with the, the spikes that are kind of, but not flickering. Yeah, and hovering and, and then moving low. away. Um, yeah. And then they just went out. I, I actually managed to 
sprint all the way back to my house for my phone and back outside and one of them had gone out and one of them hadn't and i managed to get two pictures of the one that hadn't and since then there's been they just fly over the house usually pretty high up but they've been instead of being like 500 to 700 feet up yeah. they're getting down to like 200 now. Are, you, are you getting any tel telepathic contact with them? No, but I think I know when one's coming because I'll suddenly go Which outside. Which is what basically happened up. at Christmas time. Is she went out to smoke a cigarette. Um, we were cooking dinner. And uh, I said, I'll go out and sit with you. And... Uh, I thought to myself, wouldn't it be funny if we looked up and there was a UFO? That popped up into my head from... Yeah. We hadn't even been and talking about UFOs. We hadn't even been talking about anything. And Indian food, which is yeah, what we were cooking. Yeah, we were talking cooking. about Christmas. So, out of the blue, that popped into and my head. like, yeah. <laughs> and that's... It's like that. I just... I will get the feeling... Like, I'll get a feeling. I'll be like, okay. And it'll just float through my head. I think I'm going to see something tonight. Um, and I actually haven't seen any for a few days. And I talked about <laughs> it, so... <laughs> I'm going to walk outside in the, in the next mood. Week, I think I'd better start looking at the skies more carefully. Uh... Yeah, I can't tell if I'm seeing them because more of them are happening or if I just wasn't looking up for a while. I'm... And then I just started after Christmas, we started keeping an eye out. Yeah, that that's... I, I hadn't actually been looking up I see little lights in the woods, in the trees, and up the hill from my house at night. Yeah. I, I, get, I get them in the winter, too. So. Summer. Actually, bringing, bringing this back way long to herbs being somehow magical, my little orbs will happen in the trees in spring and autumn and summer and winter but they don't come close to my back deck until i plant my garden and as soon as i've got my garden planted the first night that it's a nice night that everything's in the in the huh. pots and everything so one of them will come that, over that's just like out close. of um a studio ghibli movie i mean if you've yeah. seen yeah where <laughs> yes. the garden and then all of a sudden it grows beautifully and i'm not sure which movie that is i you know we yeah. Uh, my neighbor Totoro, probably. Uh, when, but I'm, I'm. Those are nice. Those don't freak me out. I'm yeah. just kind of like. It's when, when, well, yeah. Oh, I, I, I'm gonna now that now that my wife is like very interested in getting herbs in our garden and like finding more. That's one thing that I ought to do because I could just like our bedroom window. I can just look out and just kind of see if I see anything there. Um, I know that we've had like yeah. amazing. Even. crow activity recently um i had a crow bringing me a gift i think um well you know i, I found this little brooch thing and, and i said is this yours mary it was like right in the door of uh my studio shed um where um i used to do a lot of work it's also we store things there and um i said is this yours you know what this is just 
right away she said, I think a crow brought that. I mean, she right. like knew this, this was a gift from a crow. And I know they do that usually when you feed them, they like to give you gifts sometimes. But I think because we have such a great habitat for them, um, that maybe they're doing that. There were like three items that I found there and I'm going to keep looking. <laughs> we have crows that, that come hang yeah. out that we've been feeding yeah. for years. I have, I have ducks, they bring me eggs. And they bring you more oh. ducks. <laughs> and more ducks. They oh do, my God. they bring we you We started more ducks. with three, now we have six and about 30 eggs. So, uh, what? Wait, your three ducks are now six? I thought it was only one no, extra that no, showed two up. More. Yeah, it, it's a party in the pond. <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. So course, how, are, how are duck eggs, you know, when you cook them? I mean, are, do, you, do you like cook with them? Or? I have a 14-year-old or a 13-year-old, good Lord, and an 8-year-old. So they're maybe babies. So we don't eat the maybe babies. <laughs> oh, oh, I see. Sure. So yeah. we're incubating 12 of the eggs to see what happens because why not? Who? Yeah. Doesn't want mallards through the winter. <laughs> I just gave up on using my garage this year. Wow. It's it's a, it's a <laughs> nursery. So have possums in our backyard and rac raccoons. And we have four cat oh. four rescue cats that have the run of the yard, and, but we do call them in at night because I just tell them, look, you don't know what's going to be out there. You you yeah. want to be safe inside. Yeah, but. Uh, they love to play out. We, we chose yeah. this house basically for our, our cat that we had at the time, who was like nine, 18, 19 years old, or, or while, while getting up there. And she lasted about to age 22. Amazing. Wow. Most inte world's most intelligent cat. Um, I think that's the one I heard speaking English, actually. <laughs> nice. <laughs> was that, was that? No, no, that, that would have been, no, that was a different cat because, yeah, we got this cat after we got back from Japan. Um, we got onyx but um and onyx's ashes are buried out in the backyard and, um, but we, we purchased this house on the strength of the yard for the cat so nice. our forecast we have forecasts that just happened like yeah. really quickly uh mm. getting getting four cats uh two of them are acting very much like our like familiars uh, i call them sentinels they're 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 russian grays oh and if yeah you're familiar with or Russian blue. They are very bizarre. They're not like any other cats I have. We, 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 we have, okay, the other two cats we have, we have two striped cats, a small one, and then we have um, a Maine Coon cat. And um, we love them all dearly, but the Russian, the Russian greys are just, um, yeah, they're sentinels. And they observe us all the time that whatever we're doing, um, when uh, I'm doing Zoom modeling in the house and when I do, there's always one of them that's just very quiet, quiet as a mouse, watching, just making sure everything's cool. So, um, yeah, I'm learning a lot about that. We've always had gray cats. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's the sister of currently. our current gray cat. Um, and then before that, we had Ozymandias, Ozzy who was the king of cats and he lived here with us for almost 20 years, I think 19 and a half. 
He almost made it to 20. Um, Koi's 14 years old and remembers Ozzy from when he was a baby. And Ozzy's ghost still well, is in Ozzie's the house. Still there. And we still occasionally see him. And, uh, yes. He, come, he, he did. He came to visit at Christmas. He did. He actually does that. He'll visit around holidays. Especially sometimes. when I'm cooking Especially turkey. Especially when everybody's He'll, in the house yeah, together. He comes and hangs out near the oven yes. door like he always did. Um, he he was huge and gray and just calm. You know, he just yeah. was like, he. if anybody cried in the house, he'd always run over and, and console them. Ozzy I came to see Zach in ghost form at one point. And I thought it was the gray cat we have currently. I came out of my studio. I was upstairs. I looked down the stairs and coming out of the bedroom was the gray cat. I'm like, oh, that's Jeffrey. That's Jeffrey. And then I look down and right next to me is Jeffrey. And I look up and there's another gray cat. And I said, oh, hi, Oz. Hmm. And he just sort of looked up and then wandered back into the bedroom and I'm sure promptly disappeared. I, I, I don't know, but... He was checking on his person. He was checking on his man. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, Onyx comes back. Um, basically, I, I'm all of a sudden aware of, of her. She just comes at odd, at interesting moments, and it's I don't see her. But I'm, it's like, um, I'm so aware of her all of a sudden. And I'm just thinking, okay, she's just checking me out. And then my my dog, uh, Lady, the first dog I ever knew, this Cocker Spaniel uh, mix. I don't know what the other kind uh, she was. That's the first dog I knew. And that dog was so comforting when I was just this little boy. And the sad thing about that is oh, we oh. moved uh, to be away for two years in Colorado and then come back. This was Sioux Falls. And... While we were gone, um, the neighbors let Lady run around in the snow, and she got killed with a car crash. So, yeah, so I had been lo so looking forward to her remembering us when we came back, you know. And um, yeah. that was a huge loss, but Lady came back with, I'd say, about a year ago. I'm here. I'm here for you now. And, and um, mm -hmm. you know, so I, I, have yeah, I, I can call on these. Yeah. There's going to be a fleet of cats. And often they are available. Cats and dogs. And in fact, I had the thought, like, when I, when I go to heaven, before I see any relatives, I want to see all my cats. I, I want to see for... Well, not only that, my wife and I um, have taken to the habit, if we see roadkill, um, we feel so bad, you know, that we always make the sign of the cross. Um, you know, so... So, and probably we've done that for some rags and paper bags or something that we thought were roadkill. So I'm expecting to see this entire huge amount of creatures coming yeah. up saying, thank you, thank you, you acknowledged our existence. You know, because we're driving in the car, we feel, hey, you know, and, and there have been times when a bird, we've hit a bird and we never meant to hit and it just feels so bad. So uh, so it could be besides my pets, I'm going to see, we're going to see a whole yeah. All sorts of creatures. Wow. Remember Bear? Yeah. Bear, how could you forget? Bear was my dog in college, and 
he was kind of a pain, but he was very focused on me, and if I wasn't there, he was a mess. But after he passed away, his back legs had given out, we gave him a wheelchair, we kept him a lot we kept him happy as long sure. as we could. After he passed, I would have very vivid recurring dreams of him, but he would always do something that made me uncomfortable and I'd jar and the dream would end. And then there was one very distinct dream that I had that he ran up to me and I stooped down and I pet him and he wagged his tail and he he never came back. That was like the last dream. Oh, I'm gonna cry. (laughs) He was. He was really cute. Yeah. He was, yes. (laughs) Yeah. He ate one of our basement doors. Yeah, he was he was creative. He away. He had separation anxiety, and he just chewed the crap out of it. Well, before Kendra starts to cry, Peter, do you have anything else yeah. that you want to add to uh, to our show? We've we've been talking about two hours. So. I think we've uh, I think we certainly have uh, touched on a lot of uh, wonderful yes. topics. I'm just really pleased to have met you all. Um, I'm going to be. A, a fan of your podcast. Uh, I was listening a little bit to one today uh, from October 29th, and, uh, and that was really cool. Oh, I will say one thing. Yeah, you're talking about how do you know when something's real and when it's like, you know, there's a there's an explanation for it. And uh, I recently opened up the closet door where we keep the uh, vacuum cleaner, and all of a sudden, just on the floor, I see this weird-looking light bulb that just does not, it looks so out of place. We don't we don't have any use for this light bulb. And so I was thinking, it's an apport. It's an apport. It's like, oh, boy, it just appeared out of nowhere. Well, <laughs> I thought, you know, I better double check before I like, start talking about things like that to people like you. And so, sure enough, you know, there's this plastic bag hanging there, and it's got old batteries and old oh. light bulbs in it. And it's getting old. At least it didn't break. And so it had just fallen through at some point. Yes. And, you know, you yeah. always know it always pays to check and always pays i mean and i've had mm-hmm. people i have people who play hoax played a hoax on me my brain i always know you don't just automatically accept something and you you keep it provisionally yeah. okay it could be something very very mundane and so yeah. um i think that's just common sense rather than flying out the deep yeah end in that. yeah uh, you don't want to sound like daffy duck Going Looney Tunes. (laughs) As experiencers, experiencers, we have genuine experiences. That's just the way it is. So I I, I just want to say thank you so much. I really appreciate um, hearing you guys and hearing your experiences. And uh, it just tickles me to be uh, invited like this. So thank you. Thank you so much for sharing with us. You are wonderful. It's really neat to find out we have so much in common, too. Oh, yeah, we do. And There's so many, more. I haven't so many synchronicities, too, that I haven't, like, no, listed yes. all of them off. I'm like, okay, crow friends, ghost cats, <laughs> um, funeral homes. Funeral homes, Aunt Emma's. Aunt Emma's. Lutheran. Lutheran. Uh, Nordic. Norwegian. Norway. <laughs> oh. Oh, it's good to talk with you. Oof, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
Until next time, keep your eyes on the skies. And salt across your doorstep. Whatever you do, don't talk to the gritting man. You can't trust him. Creep. Thank you.